Lord, we come into your presence now. We, we do pray for our kids, Lord, that they would be loved and taken care of and that words of life and truth would be spoken over them. And Lord, we pray that you would open our minds and open our hearts right now to hear from your word, to hear from you, Lord, that your spirit would speak to us as the word is preached. Lord, I pray for your power. I pray for your truth. I pray for your beauty to rest upon us even now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first question I have for you this morning is this. Does your life feel out of control? Anybody? Okay, I heard some amens, all right. (laughs) Does your life feel out of control? Um, I'm about to go into a week of rehearsals every night of the week for hours and hours and my life right now feels a little chaotic but I know it's nothing compared to what some of you are going through and I know your stories I know what God is I know what God is doing in your lives I know what the world is doing to your life I know what's happening right now and so God has a word for us this morning amen God has a word for us this morning for those of you whose life feels out of control. When you feel like nothing is going right in my life, nothing is going right. Maybe depression is setting in. Maybe anxiety is setting in. Maybe friends have left you. Maybe you're disappointing yourself with your decisions that you're making. Maybe your grades are failing. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe Maybe, maybe, right? What are all the maybes? There are lots of things that are happening in our lives. And, and you may feel, I can't do anything right. You know, I just can't do anything right. Do you ever feel that way? We all get to this out-of-control moment in our lives, don't we? We all get to this point where it just seems like God is not answering our prayers anymore. Amen? sometimes it feels like God just ain't showing up. Why doesn't God just drop down and fix it real quick? (laughs) Right? Why doesn't God just drop down and fix it real quick? Well, it's a good question. It's a good question. And y'all, it is a question that God has an answer for in his word. We're doing a series right now that we're calling Behind the Curtain, which is really an idea of getting to the question, who is our God? Who is He? And God reveals Himself to be Father, right? And so this month, we've been looking at God as our Father, and some of us have messed up, jacked up relationships with our earthly fathers, right? Some of us do. And so it's hard for us to, some of us, it's hard for us to recognize God as a Father because we don't have a good example of that in this life. But the beauty of it is that God doesn't just say, I'm your father. He shows us what he's like. He shows us what he is like as a father. So where we fail as fathers and where our fathers have failed, God doesn't fail. And he wants to show us what he's like. And so I got two little, two little uh, illustrations this morning for what God is like by saying what he's not like. All right, so here's the first two illustrate. The first one is this. God the father is not a helicopter parent. Y'all know what that is? Have you raised your hand if you've heard of helicopter parent? Only a couple. Okay, say helicopter parent. All right, check it out. This is a good picture of it. 
what it is, what a helicopter parent is, is someone who takes an overprotective or excessive interest in the life of their children. And they're always hovering, right? They're always like, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, do this, do that, don't get hurt, don't get hurt. I'm, pre- I'm watching out for you, I'm doing everything, controlling your circumstances so that nothing happens to you. It's called a, what's it called? A helicopter parent, right? So listen, God the Father is not a helicopter parent. He is not going to hover over you excessively making sure you don't slip up, making sure you don't bruise your knee, right? Making sure that you never get out of line. God is not a helicopter parent, number one. Number two, God is not a slot machine. Y'all know what a slot machine is, right? A slot, for those of you that don't know, a slot machine is a coin-operated device that generates random digits on dials, And as those digits line up or those symbols or whatever, they have a different prize value, right? And and you might hit the what? The jackpot, right? You put your coin in, you pull the lever, and boom. Or you sit there and you put the coin in, pull the lever, put the coin in, pull the lever, put day after day after day. and And some people just never hit jackpot, right? But they keep playing, they keep playing. Sometimes we treat God like this. All right, watch this. We put in our prayers. We put in our obedience. We put in our religious duties. And we feel like if we just get the right combination, jackpot. We treat God like that. We treat God like a slot machine. I'm just keeping it real. Sometimes we treat God like if we just get the right combination right, he's going to show up. If we just get the right combination right, the blessings are going to pour down from heaven. But God is not a slot machine. He is not a slot machine. You can't get the right combination with God. You can't put in enough good deeds or prayers or whatnot to get God to do what you want him to do. God is not a helicopter parent, all right? And God is not a slot machine. I want, to, I want us to keep those two images in mind, okay? As we get into this passage, I want you to keep those two images in mind. But here's the image I want you to get, and God wants you to get this morning. God is not a helicopter parent. He's not a slot machine. God is a prodigal. God is a prodigal father. Now, we're going to talk more about what that means, all right? But God is a prodigal father, You've heard the story of the prodigal son, haven't you? Right, so let's read it. This is Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, and verses 11 through 32. Jesus actually tells three different uh, parables here, but we're just going to deal with the third. um, And we're going to read the introduction, which is in verses 1 and 2. All right, y'all ready? Let's stand up. I want y'all to stand, because I want you to hear God's word. I want you to hear it. All right, this is the most important thing I'm going to do today, is read God's word. Here it is. Luke 15, 1 through 2, and 11 through 32. The word of God. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. Who is him? And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And they're like, What's up with him? You get the image. Okay, that's the setting. Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. The scribes and the Pharisees are a little upset, right? They're upset. Skip down to verse 11. And Jesus said to them, 
there was a man who had two sons. And the younger son said to him, Father, give me my share of the property that's coming to me. And so he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. That word squandered is the word prodigal. Okay, that's the prodigal word, squandered. All right, so he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent every penny, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to his senses, or when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants have more more than enough bread, but I'm out here perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. So he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, he'd rehearsed it, right? He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, like he memorized it. And the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found, and they began to party. Now his older son, remember there was two sons, right? Now the older son was out in the field. And as he came and draw near to the house, he heard uh, music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. I think he was thinking it was a surprise party for maybe himself. Oh, is it a surprise party? And he said to him, Your brother has come home. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. And he refused to go in. Watch this. His father came out and entreated him. Come on. But he answered his father, Look, These many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that I have is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead, but he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. Lord, that you would speak to us now by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Three qualities of a prodigal father. Three qualities of a, of, of a prodigal father. The first quality is this. The father... Let's things play out. The father 
lets things play out. There were two brothers, and there were two types of sinners, <laughs> okay? Right? We're introduced to them at the beginning of the story. The tax collectors, right, and the Pharisees. Two types of sinners, two brothers. The first type of sinner is the older brother. And the older brother is uh, the, the, the Pharisee, the scribe. And listen to this. The older brother follows the rules to get what they want. The older brother follows the rules to get what they want. That's the first type of sinner. We'll call him the religious sinner. He follows the rules. He does everything right. But his reason is because he just wants to get what he wants. Just like the older brother. The younger brother, the tax collector, the younger brother breaks the rules to get what he wants. The younger brother breaks the rules to get what he wants. But what's this, how are they the same? They both just want what they want. That's sin. Sin is not breaking the rules necessarily. It could be keeping the rules. But sin is in our hearts. It's what we desire. That's what makes something sin. So you can follow the rules, but if you don't love God and if you're not trusting in God and you don't want God, you don't want the Father, you just want His blessing, then you're sinning. And if you break the rules and you're like, God, you know, forget you, I'm going to do my own thing, then you're sinning too. Neither one of them want the Father. Both of them are treating the Father like a slot machine. Right? The younger brother, he puts in his coin. He only puts in one coin. Pulls the lever. Jackpot! Right? That's the younger brother. The older brother is sitting there day after day. Putting in the coins. Day after day. Doing the right thing. Sticking around. Putting in the coins. But what does he really want? What does the older brother want? He just wants a party for himself. Did you notice what it said? He said, I just want to party with my friends. Neither of these brothers wanted a relationship with their father. They just wanted his money. They just wanted his blessing. Neither of them wanted a relationship with the father. And so the father lets things play out. He's not a helicopter parent. He lets the younger brother go to the far country with his money. And the father is no fool. He knows what's going to happen. He knows he's going to squander his wealth. He knows that he's going to waste everything. But he loves his son. And so he lets his life get ruined. Why? He, I thought you said he loves him. Why did he let his life get ruined? Because the best thing for us is to have a relationship with our father, not to have all of his blessings. It's to actually love our Father. And so what happens is he comes to the end of himself, right? He comes to the end of himself. He comes to the end of himself because God lets things play out. The younger brother, he experiences the pain and the, 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 he experiences the fruit of his rebellion. It costs him everything he has. A lifestyle of self-indulgence. And at the end of the day, he's literally wishing he could eat the food that the pigs are being fed. 
Y'all, sin destroys us. When we don't go God's way, when we don't follow our, our Father and stick with Him and, 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 and love Him, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Right? All the commandments fall under that. It starts with loving your Father. And if we're not loving our Father, then the Lord will let things play out. Because He wants us to come to our senses. He wants us to get to the point of desperation where we realize this ain't working anymore. This is not working. Whatever I'm doing here is not working. Maybe I should go back to my Father. Yeah, that's it. That is exactly it. That is, what God, that is why the Father lets things play out. He's not going to drop into your life and change everything and make everything jackpot. And if jackpot happens in your life, you might want to question if it's God doing it or if it's the devil doing it. Because sometimes the devil will give us what we want so that we ignore God. And I'll be honest with you, when things are going good in my life, I don't pray as much. God wants something better for us than a jackpot. He wants to give us himself. He wants to give us a relationship with himself. A love with God, our Father. And so he'll let things play out. But not only does he let things play out, as we read this parable, we see that the father, number two, the quality of the, fa- of the prodigal father is that the father pursues us in our rebellion. He actually comes to us and pursues us in our sin and in our rebellion. Look at verse 20 again. If you can pull that up, Isaiah, verse 20. He arose and came to his father. This is the younger brother. But while he was still a long way off, right? While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. And and he said, Father, I sinned against heaven and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But what does the father do? The father runs to him. And so look, if you're in a situation right now where you're running from God and you're like, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on in my life, you need to hear this. The Father pursues us in our rebellion. He doesn't wait till we get all the way home. He comes to us and He entreats us, right? The younger brother was still a long way off. The, 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 the smell of the pigs was still all over his clothing and the Father runs to him and embraces him. God doesn't wait till you clean up before he comes and hugs you. He hugs you in your mess. He hugs you in the middle of it. And that is good news. That is grace, y'all. That is grace. God comes to us in our slop and in our mess, and he receives us. And and he even receives our lame attempts at repentance, right? I mean, the brother has it memorized straight up. He's like, Father, uh, just please accept me and bring me in as your servant. And he's in the middle of his sentence. He can't even get out his lame excuse for uh, 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 repentance before the, the father says, kill the fatted calf, bring out the robe, bring out the best that I have, Let's get this party going. I'm getting ahead of myself. The older brother, likewise, right? The self-righteous older brother, the Pharisee. How does the father treat him? The same way. Look at verse 25. 
This is beautiful because I'm so much of an older brother. Now, his, now the older brother was out in the field. Where was he? One was in the far country, one was in the field. Neither of them were at home with the father. He's out in the field. He's working. He probably spends all day there so he can avoid his father. He doesn't want to look at him in the eyes. Now the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called the servant and said, what is this? What's going on? And he said, your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf. He wants to receive him back safe and sound. He was angry. He refused to go in. But what does it say in verse 28? The father came out and entreated him. The father came out and entreated him. The father came to him and he said, Son, you are always with me. All that I have is yours. He, y'all, the father treats both of these sons the same way. The younger son who sins by saying, forget you. And the older son who, who sins by saying, I'm going to earn your love. He loves them both the same way. He comes to them and he, he entreats them and he says, I love you. My grace is for you. Y'all see that? The father goes out and pursues us in our sin. Whether you're self-righteous, religious sinner, or whether you're a rebellious uh, uh, tax collector type sinner. Uh, technicolor sinner. <laughs> All right? The father pursues you no matter what. He pursues younger brothers and older brothers. Three qualities of a prodigal father. The first is the father lets things play out. He's not a helicopter parent. The second quality is the father pursues us in our rebellion. And thirdly, the father knows how to party. The father knows how to party. The title of this message is Our Prodigal Father. A prodigal is someone that is wastefully extravagant. And we often think of the prodigal as the son, right? Because he goes out and wastes all his money. He's prodigal with his money. But you know what? The father is prodigal with his love. The father is prodigal with his love. I got that from Pastor Tim Keller. He's got a book about it. It's called Prodigal God. You should read it. All right? But he, but he, but he said, he's, the, the father is the one who, who says, bring quickly the best robe. Right? Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. New shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. The fatted calf, y'all, that was the one they were saving for a special occasion. All right? This is the nicest animal they have. And he brings it out and says, let's slaughter the fatted calf. Because we're about to have a party. The father says, y'all get ready. Invite the neighbors. We're about to have a party. We're about to have a block party. And he says, why? Because my son was dead and he's alive. He was lost, but he's found. In that culture, it would have been unheard of for a dignified man, a father, to run down the road like a crazy person. (laughs) It would have been undignified particularly because he was going out to welcome a son who had completely disrespected him. This culture was an honor culture, okay, like what we see in the Middle East today. 
Or what we see in, uh, in some of the eastern countries, like in China. We see a, a, an honor culture. And if you, you've seen the movies, right? And, and, and if you dishonor your parents, there is no going back. There is no forgiveness. There is no uh, reconciliation. Same thing in this culture. And so it was reckless. It was prodigal for the father to run out there and to welcome his rebellious son who shamed him publicly to welcome him back. But that is what God is like. Even though we shame God publicly, we give God the finger every day with our decisions. He welcomes us back. He runs to us and he loves us with his prodigal love, his extravagant, overflowing love that is so undeserved. So undeserved. That is grace. The father was excessive in his love and his provision for his, for his sons, both of them. The father knows how to party. The father knows how to party when a sinner comes home. The father knows how to party when a rebel turns from his sin. The father knows how to party when a Pharisee says, you know what, I've been doing this on my own. I've been trying to buy your love. God, forgive me. When we do that, when we come to God like that, He says, bring out the fatted calf. Get the best robe. Put a ring on this man's finger. Put some new shoes on her feet. Right? Why? Because the Father is a prodigal God. He is a prodigal with His love. But I want you to notice that His love, this salvation, this reconciliation, this restoration is not free. It's not free. And there are two things that happen. At the beginning of the story, the father divides his entire wealth between the two sons. Right? He gave half of his wealth to the younger son. And what happened to that money? Gone. Right? Far country. It's all gone. So the rest of the money, who does that belong to? The older son. All the rest of the money, all the rest of the stuff already belongs to the older son. Now, he hasn't received it yet. The father's still managing it, but it's his. It's his right. The fatted calf belonged to the older son. The robe belonged to the older son. The ring and the shoes belonged to the older son. The house belongs to the older son. And the father takes those things and he uses them to bless this sinner who's come back. And this is a picture of what we have in our salvation. Because our older brother, Jesus, everything belongs to him. And yet, God the Father paid for our salvation with His riches. You could think of grace as an acronym. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. So who paid for it? The older brother did. 
The older brother paid for it. Now, in the parable, the older brother does it unwillingly. But in our salvation, our older brother does it willingly. He willingly gives his life. He is the fatted calf. He is the one who was killed so that, we, so that our shame could be taken away. So that we could be restored to our Father. He is the one who lived a righteous life so that we could be clothed with clean clothes of righteousness and goodness and truth and beauty. So that we could be clothed and all of our guilt could be covered over by the righteous robe of our older brother, Jesus. You see, the cross was the point at which Jesus, our older brother, paid the expenses for our, for our party. For our salvation, for our rescue. He paid for it on the cross and he did it willingly. So we get new clothes. We get a sacrifice for our sin so that he died in our place on the cross. All of this points to Jesus. And the Father knows how to party. Now, two questions for you to consider uh, in closing. The first one is this. Which brother are you? I want you to think about it. Now I know we all, we're all some combination of the two probably. But which brother are you? Are you more like the younger brother who runs from God, who seeks pleasure in whatever feels good in the moment? Or are you the older brother who stays close to religious things, close to God, but lives in a constant state of frustration and disappointment because you're not really getting what you think you deserve. That's the older brother. Like, I'm at home, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but God's not showing me, God's not giving me what he's supposed to give me, what I deserve. That's the older brother. All right, the younger brother's like, I don't even really care about God, I'm out here doing what I want to do. Y'all get it? You get the difference? So who are you? Which brother are you? And remember, Neither of them seeks the Father himself. Neither of them want an actual relationship with the Father. The younger brother seeks the Father's blessing through instant gratification. The older brother seeks the Father's blessings through delayed gratification. But they both just want to be gratified. Neither of them really want God for God. Y'all get it? All right. Number one, which brother are you? Number two, when will you come to your senses? When will you come to your senses? When are you going to wake up and realize that all your religious stuff is just a slot machine waiting for God to finally show up and do what he's going to do and you're frustrated and you're living your life in growing anger? <laughs> And, 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 and church is a waste of time because it never really works anyway. So you don't show up. And I don't just mean on Sunday. I mean in every day of your life. You don't show up to prayer. You don't show up to spend time listening to God and His Word. But, but it's not just a religious duty, y'all. It's spending time with your Father. It's hearing His voice through the Word. It's speaking to Him as a Father through prayer. So when are you going to come to your senses, older brothers? When are you going to come to your senses, younger brothers? How bad do things have to get? 
How broken do you have to experience life before you come to your senses and say, you know, what? I'm going to stop living this way. I'm going to turn back to my father and say, hey, father, how do you want me to, how do you want me to behave in my relationships, father? How do you want me to behave in my, uh, in my job, father? How do you want me to behave in life, Right? When are we going to come back to the Father and, and embrace Him? But you, keep, you keep, uh, keep living that way. Keep living that younger brother life. Keep running from Him. You're going to end up in a pigsty. You're going to end up wishing that you could eat their food. But I have a feeling most of you are older brothers. I know I am. Self-righteous frustrated. God's not giving me what I want. I want a bigger church. That's what I had to deal with this week. I was like, Lord, why can't we grow? And I was like, it! I'm an older brother. I'm like, Lord, I've been doing all the right things. Why isn't my church growing? So convicted by that this week. What is it for you? Which brother are you? And when will you come to your senses? Let's pray. God, we come to you, Lord, and we are, I'm convicted. I know maybe others are convicted. And Lord, I hope you won't leave us there. I hope you will pursue us in our rebellion. That you will actually come to us right now by your Spirit. You will come to us and you will bring all of the glory of your grace that you will remind us that the price has already been paid the party is laid out the 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 fatted calf has been slain that jesus gave his life for us and he not only gave his life for us but he gives us his clothes and he wants to clothe us in goodness and truth and beauty and life and we just need to embrace you and love you because you have loved us so much God, welcome us back into your presence, back into your house. God, we want to be sons and daughters of you, our Father. And so we pray that you will help us to recognize ourselves in the story, to recognize which brother we are and to turn from it, and to turn back to you, to come to our senses and to receive by faith all of the grace that you have for us in the gospel. Lord, do that work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.